Hello and welcome to Civic Sparks, the show where we talk about everything Civic except for Hondas. Just a quick shout out now to 423 Media for that wonderful little holiday intro and all the other graphics and things. Be sure to visit them at 423media.com. And for all of you still looking to get a discount on the book, you can find it at Amazon, you can find it at Target, but you can only find it 15% off at valuedrivenbook.com. Put in the code CIVICSPARKS15. Now, on to the show. I've got a great guest tonight. I've got Miss Ashley Jacobs, the CIO CIO, right? That's double and the C-I-I-O. deputy county manager for Wake County, North Carolina. That's a mouthful. I mean, that's it a nice title. Yeah, it's a mouthful. <laughs> Big child. Yeah. How are you doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thanks for joining me on the show tonight. Glad to be here. I want to start off with a quick question I ask all my civic-minded guests, and just to get to know you a little bit better, why? What brought you to Wake County? What drove you to being passionate about the public sector and and sticking in this industry? So I'm interested in the public sector for a couple of reasons. Um, I think uh, my mother's family was a huge influence on that. Um, They had a long history of being very civic-minded and community-oriented and heavily involved in the public sphere. And so um, I grew up, you know, thinking that and and understanding that – uh, that, you know, a job in the public sector was uh, was honorable work, that it was meaningful work. And um, and so um, that just became part of, of who I am. Um, I also grew up in a wonderful place called Aiken, South Carolina. And we had a city manager um, by the name of Roland Wyndham. And uh, Mr. Wyndham was the city manager for 28 years. And he had great vision and created beautiful parks and amazing places for children to grow up and um, create the uh, the public safety division and just really made Aiken what it is today and made it the community that I grew up in, which was just a wonderful place to grow up. And so um, I knew him, um, his wife taught school with my mom. And so um, just thought he was an amazing person. He was a great um, role model for me. And so, uh, but it's just part of who I am. I think that, you know, we're in the best business there is, you know, public sector. All we do is make life better for other people. That's really what we do. We protect and serve and make life better. What else is there? What's better than that? You know, exactly. So. And that's the, that's the reward we like, right? We go to sleep at night okay. and we're doing something wonderful for, for our society. Yeah. So let's talk about your title here again real quick. I know Chief mm-hmm. Information Officer, Chief Innovation Officer, uh, and Deputy County Manager for, this, for the mm-hmm. County of Wake, but you're not from a tech background. How does a not, not. non-techie end up a CIO? Um, So I'm not a techie, uh, but I have always, I've been in county government, uh, I've been managing county government for 22 years, and I've always supervised information technology. I've always been heavily involved um, in implementing new technology. So um, even though I don't have an IT background, I'm, you know, always been interested and involved um, with with technology. So um, I think when David um, Ellis, our county manager, when he was making this, this, um, this selection, for this position, I think what he saw in me was that I had um, a lot of experience in many different um, areas. And so he thought um, I'd be a good fit because that gave him great flexibility. Um, and I think that was a smart thing to do. It's smart for any county manager uh, when you're selecting deputies to uh, to pick people who, who have great range. Uh, of experience and um, and who can you know can fit where you need them and so when we reorganized um, a couple of months ago um, I was able to to kind of slide in where he needed me and start working with community services and with fire and emergency management because I've done that in the past. Yeah, that's a it's so just 
to understand so that the the well I'm, I, I agree with it I, I thought it was a I think it's a great idea my deputy is actually not from a uh, tech background she was actually a police officer and a project manager before becoming my mm-hmm. deputy so so yeah, there you it, go. it works it works so yeah. does the CI role CIO the CIO role at Wake uh-huh. County play a larger part in shaping policy for the county or is that more the deputy manager side or how does that how does that work I don't really separate the two um, in my mind. Um, my role, in my role, I certainly have a lot of um, impact, a lot of opportunity to influence policy. Um, so all three of the deputy county managers do. Um, I think that our, our county manager and our board uh, really look to us for recommendations uh, when it comes to, to county policy. So yes, we, we are very influential, I think, in that regard. And speaking of policy, let, I want to dig a little bit. We're, we're talking a little bit about innovation tonight, but we also want to talk a little bit about uh, resilience and, and a few other topics that are in the news right now. And that's mm-hmm. so one of my passions is bridging a digital divide. As you know, in Chattanooga, we're, we're very passionate about high-speed internet and, and being top of the line of, of uh, technology mm-hmm. and on the cutting edge. Does Wake have a large digital divide and what has the county done so far or or in the future to bridge that gap? Compared to other uh, counties and communities around the country, I would say that we do not have a significant, well, I shouldn't say we don't have a large digital divide. We have a lot of infrastructure in place. Um, I think what our challenge is is with um, affordability and with digital literacy. Um, and so we are working to address those two things. Um, it is a major initiative, a major passion for our board of commissioners. Um, that is something they've directed us to work towards um, to, to correct those and address those issues. Uh, we do have an RFP drafted and we're, we're coordinating with the North Carolina Department of Information Technology on this effort um, on both mapping to identify where we have gaps, uh, but also um, you know, they have a new office of digital equity that the governor's created. And so we're, we're talking with them and figuring out how do we best utilize their funds and our funds together um, so that we can, can address these problems. Um, but I anticipate that we'll be issuing an RFP in the near future um, for, um, to address both digital literacy and affordability. Now, we can't do what you did. Um, in Chattanooga yeah, no. with infrastructure. I know nobody can, right? But um, so the state of North Carolina actually prohibits local governments from owning and operating, um, uh, you know, infrastructure. So, and so we can't be an ISP. We can't build and give it to someone else. So um, we're very limited that way. You know, and that's a sad thing. Uh, as you bring that up, I want to just mention it. So, so all of you North Carolina residents out there listening tonight uh, or on the podcast, uh, remember that next time you go to vote for your, your uh, North Carolina legislation. And, uh, you know, it's not a good thing to be able to prevent municipalities from putting in fiber and putting in, uh, uh, it's a good for digital equity. Uh, a lot of the Com- uh, Comcast and, and Cox cables and all of those out there, it's not in their best interest. So they don't pay for it. They don't do it. And then, and then we're stuck trying to figure out how to fill these gaps. And it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. a real problem. So think about that next time you go to vote. Yeah. So um, don't want to get, I'll, I'll jump off my soapbox now. Um, so with the digital divide and talking about that and, and you, you know, mentioning how Wake is with innovation and you guys are very innovative. Uh, talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your innovation and what you've got going on there in Wake. So uh, to give you a little history, uh, we've always had an innovation function, um, but it traditionally or in the past was part of the IT department. Um, That's where it was housed. And then a couple of years ago, it was moved over to the county manager's office. uh, And it's, it's still part of the county manager's office, but now it's part of a division that's called strategy, performance and innovation, which I call spy. So, um, and 
the SPY is, um, does a lot of things. They work with the board's um, strategic goals, but they also uh, work with um, all of our departments on performance measurement and management. Uh, they help create business plans for all the departments throughout the year, and they coordinate with our budget office on that. Uh, but then innovation in of itself, um, in the past, they've been... I, think, I would say that their activities have been centered around facilitation, you know, facilitating conversations about creative thinking and trying to, um, you know, bring people around to um, thinking in innovative ways. Um, but what we're trying to do now, we've brought on three new um, employees in innovation. And so now we're fully staffed over there. But um, what they're going to be moving towards um, is really becoming an in-house um, consulting arm. And we want them to do training. We want them to be coaches. We want them to build relationships and collaborations and partnerships with um, with outside entities. I mean, we're here in Research Triangle. We're surrounded by incredible resources. Yeah, I mean, we have major research. Yeah. Right. We've got major research um, institutions here. We have high-tech industries. We have, you know, I mean, we are, you know, kind of the Silicon Valley of the of the East. And so um, there are amazing partners here for us to, to work with. And we want to start bringing those people in and making them, you know, part of our, our process. Um, and, and being a resource for us, but uh, but they will be researching best practices. They'll be helping implement those best practices. And um, but like I said, really being like an in-house consulting arm, and that's where the direction we're going in. So you you mentioned you're doing that with outside entities, but do you plan on doing that internally as well with the county? And oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And and to be clear, um, I mean the way that we think about innovation, it's not a department. It's not a you know it's it's not. Um, or it's not just a department, we really can think of it as being an organization-wide competency. You know, it's a culture of innovation. It's a way of being. And that's how we really want um, everyone in our organization to be thinking about innovation and to, um, you know, to, to I guess, embrace what um, the concepts of innovation, um, which would be, you know, diversity and inclusion, um, openness, transparency, um, you know, um, we want to we want it to really be a leadership trait in all of our um, you know in all of our managers. Um, I mean, I think when I think of innovation, I just think that that's leadership. You know, that's just um, I think everyone should that should be a trait you know for everyone who's managing other people. Uh, but we want all employees. What's that? So you, it should be ubiquitous across all leadership. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So we really just want it to be part of our culture. And that's how we think of it. We don't think of it just as being part of SPY. We think of it, you know, we are an innovative organization. Yeah, that's good. The whole county. So yeah. how, so how does what, what kind of position does that put you in from an innovation standpoint and even from a resiliency standpoint? I think it puts us in a very strong position uh, because... Uh, you know, being innovative is not, it doesn't, that responsibility doesn't rest with just one department or with one person. You know, we consider that to be, you know, the responsibility of everyone. And so, um, but again, it, it, it's something we think of it more as being just part of who we are and not, um, you know, something that we'll necessarily be evaluating people on, but really uh, we just want people to be thinking in open terms and uh, being inclusive as they go about their day-to-day processes. Um, and, um, you know, with, again, with, with, I think the way that you, you become resilient and you become innovative and build those cultures is, um, making it just, um, something that's part of your everyday thinking. And, um, 
I mean, we almost want it to be like, you know, it's just part of like the air we breathe, you know, it's not like something we're actively trying sure. to do. It's just who we are, you know? Um, I mean, our three core values are uh, make it better, uh, work together and uh, serve with passion and empathy. So we just, you know, that's just, we just wanted that to be like part of our DNA. And so that's, that's how we think about it. But I think that that's, that makes us a stronger and more resilient organization. Um, you know, resilience is about so much more than technology. Um, and that's Absolutely. really um, yeah. what I, I want to say about, you know, our innovation um, office is that, um, and our, this function of innovation is that in the past, it really, you know, it was embedded with IT because we considered it to be, um, you know, that we, we, when we thought about innovation, we thought, okay, it's got to be related to technology. Um, and I think even in recent years, we've been associating it, associating it with technology. Now we're thinking about innovation in terms of it being just um, about thought, about process, you know, about people, and not necessarily related to technology. Um, so, um, but but resiliency is so much more um, than than any of that. I mean, resiliency is about um, uh, you know your um, succession planning, right? That's resiliency, making sure that if someone leaves, you've got leadership who can step up. You don't have an interruption. Um, and um, same thing with you know with Wake Two O. I don't know if we you and I have talked about that, but um, we took COVID and. Um, everything that we learned from that, and we are creating a new hybrid work environment that we call Wake 2O. And that is just, um, you know, we, we have this plan that we're not going back to the way things were, you know, before pandemic. We are permanently going to be a hybrid work environment for everyone who can work in that way. So um, obviously we have some people who cannot work you know, in a hybrid work environment, they've got to be on site. But for those who can, um, we've, you know, we've learned that we don't necessarily be in, need to be in the office and we can work from anywhere. And so that is just, that's who we are now. That's, that's, that's a permanent state of being. You're mm-hmm. taking that, yeah, that, that, that approach. Uh, Jonathan and I talked about that uh, last week, last time we were on the episode about, uh, about that. And mm-hmm. I know you and I spoke about Wake 2.0 in, in San Diego a few weeks ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, yeah, it's great. I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are taking that standpoint. Is that that's countywide or is that just yes, for technology? That's countywide. Okay. It's countywide. And it's, um, you know, we have a whole, you know, strategy for, you know, if you're um, with when you work and how you work and all that, you know, it all depends on, um, you know, your, your status, but we will, the county will pay for, you know, certain pieces of equipment for, that allows you to work virtually. Um, and I think it's working extremely well. The employees love it. And we, we really consider it to be um, a huge asset in terms of recruitment and retention uh, because, you know, all of the, aid, the, the high tech uh, companies around us, they're all working virtually permanently. You know, they've already announced we're not coming back to work. So, um, so we want to be competitive. We want to be an employer of choice. And we feel like that really puts us there. Uh, just to sidetrack just a little bit, and, and since we're on this topic and, and you're talking about working remotely, I, I had a question the other day from um, from somebody who was asking me how what, what we were going to do about this. And I'm curious to see um, other CIOs' responses to this. With the advent of the fact that, oh, we lost her. <clears throat> Hopefully, we'll get her back here in a second. So, if you're just now catching up, we are talking about uh, resiliency and connectivity and there we go she's back we got her 
Sorry about that. Yeah, we, okay. I, see, Sorry. too bad you don't have any high speed internet over there with the, the, the fiber, <laughs> All right. the, the gig. Uh, <laughs> Blame so. it on eighteen two. Yeah, the Chattanooga sure. trait there. We uh, every time I travel all over the place, I've become uh, somewhat of a bandwidth snob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, uh, what I was talking about is you know with the advent of everybody going remote, and you just mentioned this that a lot of the companies around you and the, and that the research triangle. There's a lot of corporations mm-hmm. around there. They're mm-hmm. not going back to the office. What's going to happen no. to all that infrastructure? And what's going to happen to our downtown areas that have thrived in this thing where you've got this, like, for example, um, what do you call them? Um, innovation districts where you have collisions and colliding with, I talked to Jonathan uh, Reckenthal about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what do you think that's going to look like in, in Wake? I don't know what this means for the private businesses. Um, for us, we are not vacating businesses. I mean, we're not we're not vacating office space. We're going to be in our same space. We're just working uh, in a flexible way. Let me put it that way. So now there are some spaces that we are, um, I guess I would say vacating. Um, like our IT department, they are working entirely virtually, except for maybe two or three people. And so those spaces, we're reassigning, we're repurposing that space. Um, but for the most part, in terms of our downtown offices, we'll be there. Um, I mean, we still have to serve the public. We still have to have a building for the public to come to to pay taxes and, you know, whatever they need to do. So um, we're we're still going to be there. Now, I know that there is some concern. Um, I've heard some concern from uh, from the city of Raleigh about people being downtown, you know, coming to restaurants and, and, and you know, uh, going to businesses and supporting the businesses downtown. Um, I'm not sure. I, I don't have an answer for that. Um, I mean, one of the things that we wanted to do with Wake 2 was um, not only to give our employees um, great flexibility, but also to reduce our carbon footprint. You know, we want to prevent people from from driving every day. Um, like for for me, for example, I'm driving to work maybe two, three days a week, um, and that you know is is um, is saving a lot of gas for me, um, and I know it is for a lot of other employees. So yeah, same here. Um, you know, that's, that's, I, I feel like that's a bonus. Um, so um, I do think that maybe cities will need to start thinking about kind of reimagining how they bring people downtown. If that's going to be the case, if people aren't going to be coming there for work, I'm not sure. Don't have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's a tough question. And it's, it's one that I'm curious to see what, what happens. And I'm wondering if these spaces will be reutilized for some other interesting thing. You know, it's, it's interesting yeah. how um, tragedy and how, uh, you know, the way they say in, uh, invention is the mother or uh, necessity is the mother of invention or, or whatever that saying is. Right. That, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's how we got to wake 2 I mean, right. we had to move virtually. And so, and then once we did it, we said, hey, wait, this is really great. You know, so let's keep doing it. Right. Yeah. And I want to swing back a minute. And you talked mm-hmm. earlier when we were talking about resiliency and we were talking about um, equity across the board. And you mm-hmm. know, I want to touch base real quick on something of a hot topic right now, and that is racial equity. And especially in, in from a technology standpoint, because I know that, you, you know, a lot of the, the technology positions are made up of, you know, old white men. And, you know, how do we go about changing that? And we're, we're, we're kind of racking some ideas here in Chattanooga about, about doing that. So I'm curious to what, what you've got going on in Wake as far as that's concerned. 
We've got two things going on. One is that we are in the process of hiring a diversity, equity, and inclusion director. And the person will be on board, uh, I believe, in January. And they will be uh, tasked with, you know, creating policies and programs um, to uh, to address um you know, where we have um, gaps, where we don't have diversity um, in our different departments and representation. Uh, the other thing is uh, there's a major initiative called um, it's um, uh, Wake, Invest in Women. And it is a, a collaborative effort with Wake County, with Wake Community College, um, and with, with some private industries uh, that, that encourages um employers to to implement change with research-based practices, tracking progress uh, with an equity scorecard, um, and then reporting those key metrics every year. And that is, um, it, the initiative is aimed at um, closing the gender wage and representation gaps, particularly in STEM. And the, the priority of this program at the moment is, um, is Black and Latino women, because that's where uh, we really have, you know, um, underrepresentation. So those are two of the major things that I can think about. Um, but I will say that equity and inclusion is a huge focus for Wake County. Um, the county recently passed a non-discrimination ordinance, um, and that uh, protects classes, um, uh, a number of classes. Um, I'll tell you what's covered in the ordinance. It's race, um, natural hair or hairstyle, ethnicity, creed, color, sex, pregnancy, marital or familial status, sexual orientation, gender identity or expression, national origin or ancestry, national guard or veteran status, religious belief or non-belief, age or disability. So everyone's covered. And um, this is, um, you know, the, the ordinance applies to uh, all the unincorporated areas of the county, um, as well as any city or town that adopts um, the uh, adopts the ordinance. So, but it prevents discrimination on the basis of any of those things. So I think that's very progressive. Um, it's, you know, part of their board goals. Um, equity is a part of their uh, major strategic goals, the board. Um, and uh, I think that we embrace that in everything that we do. I know that every conversation we have um, about a new policy or how we're going to do something differently, we always, we always that's always part of the equation. You know, who does this affect? Are we affecting everyone equally? You know, are we considering all people? Um, and so I think, again, it's part of our DNA. It really is a huge part of just who we are in our day to day. And you, you hit the nail right on the head right there when you said that. It has to be. This cannot be just a policy that right. you throw out there right. for, for, you know, giggles. And, right. Oh, look, we've done something and we've signed something and we all stood in front of the cameras and smiled and said we're going to do this. It has to be part of the DNA. It has to be part of the culture of the organization. And it has yeah. to be across the board. It can't just be one department or one thing or one organization. It has to be everywhere, I think. You embrace it, right. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And we're looking so. at doing things outside of, uh, especially from a STEM standpoint, because we, we realized that um, in order to get more African-Americans, especially f females and Latinos mm -hmm. in, into STEM, it, you have to start early. You have to get, yes. you have to get them in yeah. elementary school. <laughs> and you have to you really to do. Plant that mm -hmm. seed for technology and say, look, this is this, you know, mm -hmm. and explain the, the benefits. Mm -hmm. and, and that way, by the time, you know, they're in their 20s and looking to go to college and, and, and you know, major in something that perhaps they'll major in a STEM um, area. I totally agree. And I think um, so Wake County School District, I think is one of the largest county school districts uh, in the 
one of the largest school districts in the country, um, very progressive and has a very active STEM program that that does that exact same thing. That's exactly what you're talking about. Starts very young, you know, making it uh, helping helping. I think everyone um, from any background, you know, whatever race, you know, whatever they are, they're um, they're thinking about STEM um, uh, careers as as a possibility. I really think it's about possibility, right? Like you have to think that's something that's within my reach. Um, you know, one of, I remember years ago reading this Harvard study that said that the, the number one factor, the number one factor in whether or not a child will go to college, will graduate from high school and go to college, it isn't how involved the parents are in the school. It isn't, you know, whether they do extracurricular activities, it isn't their grades, it isn't any of that. The number one factor is expectation, that there is someone in their sphere right. who expects yeah. them to graduate and go to college. And I think it's the same thing here. You know, if you can create that seed of expectation and possibility that this could be your career for me, you know, I think people just think, you know, they don't see someone like them doing it. So it doesn't seem real, right? It doesn't seem like that's something that's within, within reach. Exactly. Yeah. So. So are there any good policies or anything that you could you know, recommend to other organizations that are looking to kind of mimic that and, and you know, drive real change in the community? I think, um, well, I think change is always about successful change is always about the integrity of your leadership. You know, you to, to successfully implement change, you've got to be vulnerable. You've got to be honest, you know, transparent. Um, transparent, yes. you know, the people you're leading have got to think that you got to know, you know, have really got to, to know in their heart that you have integrity, that their leaders have integrity, um, and that they will see through, um, and that they believe in themselves, the things that they're putting forth, you know, like, when we talk about equity and inclusion, or we talk about, um, you know, innovation or resilience, you know, that we, they, you know, everyone has to believe that that's really what our value is. So that is something that we really um, not only believe in, but also that we will see it through. We, we will ensure that things happen, uh, that they will, they will, um, you know, um, come to fruition, that it's not just a policy. It's not just something that's on paper. It's not just something that's in the handbook. It actually is something that we believe in and we do. So um, I think that those are, are you know, critical um, elements of, of change management. I will tell you one thing that we have that I think is extremely helpful and um, and that, that works and makes change work for us. Um, and I do think that we are an organization that is incredibly resilient and able to change very quickly. Um, I can't take credit for that. I mean, I've only been here five months, but I think that it is a, it's a culture that has developed over time here. Um, in our IT department, we have someone whose title is change management agent or a change management director or something like that. So, but her whole job is just to make sure that she communicates with everyone when we're going to make a change in technology, that people know what's coming, why it's coming, why we're doing it, what the benefit is. And I mean, that's something that, I mean, that's like fantasy local government for me. You know, like I have always wanted to have that. I've always thought, gosh, I wish I had someone to just communicate about change and to manage that. And that's what she does. Um, to be honest with you, I think we need to replicate that maybe in some other departments. Um, but it, it works extremely well when we're making transitions in, in the IT department. You know, she rolls out all of these these different pieces of communication about the change, 
and it really helps transition people psychologically. You know, they really, they're prepared for what's coming. They know what to expect. They know why we're doing it. I think that's another important element of change, right? And resiliency is people have to know why you're doing it. That's been part of uh, what I've been doing with Wait2O is creating a narrative around this because it's very important for every single employee to be able to give that elevator speech and say, we're doing this because, and this is the benefit. And, you know, to really be able to articulate that, not just, well, it was that way because of COVID and now we just stuck with it. No, there are real benefits to it. There's a reason we're doing it, you know? So, but same thing with any change, same thing, um, you know, anytime you're going to make a big, um, you know, you're, you're going to transition to a new way of doing things or you know, new technology, um, it's, it's very important for people to know why and to understand the Absolutely. benefits and how it's going to specifically affect them, who they can go to for questions. I think the other important element of, res- of resiliency and innovation and change management is listening to feedback. You know, people are going to be so much more open to it and flexible about it if they know that they can go to f- give feedback, they know who to go to to give feedback, and they have an understanding and a belief that it will be heard. And they felt heard. That there will be a response, right? So um, that's always been my experience. Um, I remember many, many years ago trying to get my building inspectors to use Blackberries. That was like, (laughs) oh, it was like the end of the world for them. They were like, they did not want to use it. They kept giving me all these excuses. They would be like, look, my fingers are too big. I can't use this thing, you know? And so, you know, we went through this whole change management program with them. And um, and we, so we did it in baby steps, you know, we just started implementing it in baby steps. And so at first we didn't make them use the Blackberries. They would just, um, call in the results and then someone at the desk in the office would, would use, you know, would implement, you know, would enter the information. But then I started getting them. I actually started doing ride-alongs with them. And I would say, well, let me do it. Let me use the BlackBerry. I'll show you, you know. And then I think just just knowing, they just knew that someone was listening to them. It just made all the difference in the world. So they started using it, you know, and, and then eventually we, you know, went on to smartphones after that. But yeah, change. Yeah. Got to count on it. No, nobody likes it. I don't think. That's right. So that's a great yeah. idea. And I think we may actually steal that idea and, uh, and steal away. try to implement that here. Well, that's also too, but about the organizations like ours, even though we do compete, right? We compete for uh, businesses and, and, and companies to come mm-hmm. in and, and set up shop and provide jobs. But it's a friendly competition because we want to share ideas because we want society to be great all over the place. Right. right? That's right. Yeah. That's the beauty of local government. That's yep. right. It is. So any final words or final thoughts or uh, any, well, actually, I have one more question for you now I think about it. Yeah. Um, the, we got these funds coming out here, right? There's a lot of money uh-huh. getting ready to be distributed. You guys got mm-hmm. anything in the, in the, in the pipeline that, uh, that, that you mm-hmm. might be thinking about? We're doing a lot. Um, we, we've set aside um, half a million dollars for broadband. Um, and that's, I think, just going to be the start of things. Okay. So, but we, we've set aside at least half a million for that. Um, we've also spent about 60 million or, or we're planning to spend about 60 million on um, some of the internal departments requests. Um, and mainly those are, um, you know, those are proposals to make improvements, make changes um, that will um, help us um respond to the COVID, you know, to, to COVID and to the pandemic and um, recover from it. Um, and then um, we also have a new program going on. We have a new portal for nonprofits where they can apply 
uh, for funding. And that's $20 million that we've set aside for that. So it'll be $16 million in kind of a general pot. And then we have $4 million set aside for what we're calling an equity fund. And that is for um, qualified census tracts. So um, underserved communities, um, any any nonprofit that serves underserved communities would, would be eligible for that equity fund, as well as the $16 million. So um, I know that there is at least one organization um, that's partnering with um, our one of the HBCUs here, um, Shaw University. There's a place called the Wireless Center, and they're they're partnering with with Shaw um, University on a, a request to build innovation centers that would do some of that um, digital learning we've been talking about. Um, but they also Shaw wants to create a cyber ops program, and that would be the first cyber ops program in the state of North Carolina and the first HBCU to offer that. So um, we're we're working with them. Uh, to get that up and going. But I think there, if the infrastructure bill passes, that will um, also include some funds for HBCUs and for, for broadband infrastructure. So I'm hopeful that that will, will come through and we can, can use Fingers that. Crossed. We'll, we'll be, yes, we'll be sending good vibes your way. I hope that that happens. And you're, to you as well. Yeah. So, so that's great. So now any final thoughts or anything you want to, to send out there and things we can learn from, from wake maybe final. Well, I will say that, that wake is, um, it's, it's very unusual for, for me compared to the other counties where I've worked. Um, it's different in several ways. One is that um, not only do we have the funding available, um, you know, for technology and to, to provide, uh, you know, very strong um, compensation and benefits for our employees, but, you know, there's a real desire to do so. You know, there is an acceptance, a respect for, technology and for investment in employees. And so I think what makes us resilient and innovative as we are is the fact that we we invest in ourselves. You know, we invest in our employees, we pay people, um, we provide great benefits, we try to be as competitive as possible with all the private sector businesses, um, we try to create a great environment. We have a super HR department. We were recently named one of the healthiest places to work in the Triangle. We're very proud of that. Um, and you know, That's recruitment awesome. and retention is something we are very focused on. We want to keep people. We want to keep them happy. We want them to love working here. Um, and so, and we want to recruit the very best. We're very competitive. We really want to recruit the smartest, most talented, most innovative people. And I think that that's, um, you know, again, it's just part of our values. And, and and I think making all of this just part of your DNA, that is the key to success. I couldn't agree more. Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun. We've been I just want to let you know I didn't miss the hockey game tonight because of this, but oh, I'd rather be. That's okay. That's, what, is, what, is, what is hockey? That's not baseball, so it doesn't matter. Well, I am excited about the Braves game. Yeah, That's right. So. Oh, come on, yeah. Braves. we got to do this. we got to do it. <laughs> We've been speaking with Ashley Jacobs, the CIO, CIO, Deputy County Manager of Wake County, North Carolina. Thanks again, Ashley, for being on the show. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> That's it for this edition of Civic Sparks. We will not be live for the month of November, but we will be airing quick specials on Veterans Day and Thanksgiving Day. So be sure to watch those. On behalf of our guest, Ashley Jacobs and the Civic Sparks, Civic Sparks crew, thank you so much for watching and participating, and we'll see you next time.